Welcome to the Chase Med Search Podcast, your place for discussions involving hiring and recruiting for sales, clinical specialists, and other commercial positions in the medical device technology sector, where we talk about ways to get in, stay in, and improve within this niche of the industry that we all love so much. We also cover technological advancements, leadership discussions, and interview current medical device representatives that have some pretty unique backgrounds. I'm your host, Jordan Chase, taking you on a guided tour of my last 20 years of experience working in the med tech sector. Let's get on into it. Well, welcome back to the Chase Med Search Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Beth Irwin, a very accomplished and successful medical device sales representative that has performed in some of the most challenging and technically complex environments that exist in medical devices today. She's multi-talented in that she is also an accomplished and talented singer and has appeared on stage in various venues. Although she doesn't sing professionally, she's always at the top of the charts when it comes to sales rankings. Currently, she works for Avail Med Systems, a digital health company focused on procedure telemedicine with technology for remote proctoring, case coverage, training, and education. This is a company that I think has potential to make a major shift in how procedures are performed in the medical device industry. Welcome to the Chase Med Search Podcast, Beth. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. And first, let's just talk about the singing. It started at an early age, I presume. Yes, since I was a little girl, I've always loved to sing. So I sang, I think my first play that I was in was in like first or second grade. And then I started doing theater. I I moved to Laredo when I was 10 and I got very involved in theater there and did theater my whole childhood in college. And I still do it from time to time. It's one of those things that kind of feeds my soul. And so whenever I have a chance to jump on stage, I, I take it. That is fantastic. Some of the best memories I have of being a kid was we had a school plays and, you know, quasi theater that was put on. It was it was a blast. Is there a favorite production that you've been in and been involved with that you really love? There's a couple. Um, I recently got to do a Patsy Cline show. That was a lot of fun. I, I won a local award for that. And then I was also Evita, which was a very rewarding and wonderful experience on stage. But it's really nice to go on stage and, and become somebody different than who you are. It's just, uh, it's exciting. That's what I always loved about anytime I've had a chance to go and see something on Broadway or whatever. I just think they have to be having a blast up there. I mean, to, to, to just get out and suspend reality for a little while and, and be someone else. That's fantastic. Do you have a favorite singer or musical group or, or one of each? Oh, wow. I, I don't. I mean, I really like Josh Groban. I know that sounds weird, but he has a, he has a beautiful <laughs> voice and he's done a lot of Broadway. And then there's a acapella group called Pentatonics, which okay. is, is pretty amazing. They do all their sound. They don't use any instruments. They just use their voices. Mm. And it's a, it, it's one of my favorite. I kind of put that music when I need to kind of chillax or I'm on a plane and I'm stressed <laughs> out. Those, those are the two kind of soundtracks that I tend to go to. That's so great. That's just terrific. You know, I, I had a chance, I was in New York city before all the, all the pandemic hit and had a chance to go see something on Broadway. And I went to Oklahoma, which I had no idea about, and it was tremendous. And so I just, 
I love that. And it's exciting that you've had a chance to do that and participate in it and continue to do it when you have time. And you have a busy life. You know, I want to talk, maybe start out with how you broke into medical device sales. It's the most common question I get from anyone by far is how do you get in? So I'm always interested in guests on this podcast sharing their story about how they exactly did get into medical devices. Sure. I graduated college. I went to UT in the in the mid-90s, and I wanted to get into pharmaceutical sales. That was kind of the, the in thing back then. And I ended up going into consumer products because the pharmaceutical industry at that time was kind of on a they weren't really hiring college graduates. So mm-hmm. I got into consumer products and I worked for Playtex, which okay. is a lot of fun at parties to tell stories about working <laughs> at Playtex. Sure. And on another podcast, maybe I could do that for you. But then I um mm-hmm. I did get into the pharmaceutical industry. I worked for a really small company called Wallace. Okay. Let me ask you real quick. At Playtex, you know, it's consumer goods. I'm assuming you're in an outside sales role selling business to business or was it business to consumer? It was business to business. I called on, I lived in Houston and I called on all the grocery store chains, Mm -hmm. the local ones, Berkshire Brothers. There was a big thing called Oshan. And basically I, I sold in facings of uh, tampons and mm-hmm. um, baby products and banana boat sunscreen and Woolite carpet cleaner. Those were all owned by Playtex. So yes, it was. And that was why I chose that. Um, I actually had a job offer from Dillard's to go into their management program. But because I really wanted to go into sales, I wanted to do kind of an outside sales type of position. And so that's why I took the job with yes. Playtex. That was an excellent choice. I mean, I have told people for years now that if they really want to do medical device sales, the most important thing is to find out if they like sales first and to get into some type of sales capacity, uh, if at all possible, and outside business to business is the best. What did you learn in that first job, that first outside? I want to camp out here just for a second because it's so important. What, what were they teaching you? What were you learning? I know you've been in sales, you know, sort of from birth almost. It seemed like you've been selling things for a long time, but this is an official job in, in B2B sales. What were they teaching you and what were you learning? I learned a lot about relationships and, you know, face-to-face selling. I had, I had sold in a retail environment in, in college and high school, um, but I had never really had a key account and I didn't have to do any type of planning. Um, I do remember pre-call planning was a big factor and I still use it to this day. Mm-hmm. And before you went into an account, you know, strategizing on how, how you were going to, you know, discuss the sale with the person and then closing the call too. And, and if, you know me, that's that's kind of my thing. I'm a closer. And that was ingrained very, very early on in my career. You know, pre-call plan, do the relationship building face-to-face, make sure that you're able to answer all of their questions, let them talk and mm. you listen, and then always ask for the business at the end of the call. That's absolutely textbook. That's just a fantastic way of describing that. So you got into pharmaceutical sales after that. What was it like that transition to going into pharma sales? I loved pharmaceutical sales. Working for Wallace, which is now I think MedPoint, um, it was a small company. I had San Antonio and Laredo as my territory, and I was the only rep. And I really enjoyed calling on the doctor's offices and learned the total office call. And again, something I do to this day, building a relationship with the front desk person, learning every single staff's name, taking notes on, you know, what 
coffee the doctor likes or the names of the kids of the physician. I just, I absolutely enjoyed it tremendously and did very, very well. Funny, quick story, one off. I worked for Wallace a very long time ago. And recently before the pandemic, I was at a restaurant at an Easter buffet. And this doctor came up to me and he goes, oh my gosh, you are my Astel and nasal spray rep. This was like 20 years ago. And he still remembered me. And he goes, I remember you. You were one of my favorite reps. So the other thing was just making impact mm. on those people that you called on. I, I, They remembered who I was. I let them get to know me and, and kind of the fact that I sang and mm. I have this very bubbly personality. And I got to know them. Um, and it's really helped me in my career to be able to, to you know, always use that skill that I have. Absolutely. You know, I don't know if anybody would remember this comedian, Rodney Dangerfield, used to say he couldn't get any respect. And pharmaceutical sales has had sort of an accusation from time to time leveled at them that they're not respected by the medical device community or that sale is looked down a little bit on. But you had an amazing experience. Why do you think that is and what do you think is true and not true about the way that certain people in medical devices feel about pharmaceutical sales? Well, I think the industry has changed a bit. Back then, you know, I was the only rep that called on my physician. And some reps are going to take advantage of the situation and make the best of it and make an impact and and sell a drug that's m- maybe more meaningful. I mean, I think when people were selling a drug like an antihistamine like Claritin, and there were four reps calling on the same doctor, maybe in that circumstance, it was a little bit harder to get the respect as opposed to somebody who's who's selling a drug that's an orphan drug or a drug mm-hmm. that's to a very specific disease state. I have a ton of respect for those type of reps. And any rep that that really wants to do the pharmaceutical job, if, if that's what they want to do, that's great. It, it was not for me after a while. Um, mm-hmm. I really did want to be challenged more. But there are some people that really enjoy it and enjoy calling on the doctors. Now, with the pandemic, I don't know how that whole situation is working out. But I think Mm -hmm. nowadays it's changed a little bit than it used to be. But Mm -hmm. I'm also a very positive person in making the best of the situation. I I really did have a good time selling and to my doctors and made the best of it. Sounds like you really threw yourself into the job. And then did you know about medical devices before you went into pharmaceutical sales? Or did you discover that there was a whole career that could be had in medical devices while you were in the pharma job? I did not know about medical devices or capital equipment. And I have a, another little funny story about that that's really come full, full circle in my life. I was working for AstraZeneca after I, I worked for Wallace. I went over to AstraZeneca and I drove a Buick and I went to the Buick dealership to get my car serviced. And it was Cavender Buick. And Mr. Cavender comes up to me and, and he uh, said, you know, hello there, young lady. What is it you do for a living? And I told him, I said, I'm a pharmaceutical rep. And he goes, Well, my wife does capital equipment or medical device sales. And he said, If you really want to make some money, that's where you need to go. Mm. And because of that statement, I actually started looking into medical device and capital equipment. And fast forward to now, I'm actually friends with Stephanie Cavender, who's married to Bobby Cavender, who is the reason why I'm in medical device sales. (laughs) It's it's just funny how it's a small world and it and it kind of all comes full circle for you. But I did not know about it. I didn't I didn't really understand, I think, until I started getting into the offices and getting into the hospitals that there was a whole nother industry out there. And to me, mm-hmm. it was just super exciting because it was more challenging and you could make more money doing it. What was the lure? The lure for you, obviously, was there was it was more challenging. What did you see as more challenging about versus what you were doing versus going into medical devices? 
Medical device sales, I look at that as you are a consultant to that physician. You are an expert on your product and you need to know that product backwards and forwards. So if you get called while you're in surgery, in the middle of the night, that you are able to answer questions about that product. And I think you are, the relationships that I have with my physicians that I've worked with for years in medical device are are very strong. I'm very well-respected, like you said, you know, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield ain't got no respect. I, I think it's the <laughs> opposite for medical device reps, good ones that are that are yeah. true consultants that provide a value to these physicians and to the surgeons where you truly are an expert uh, in your mm. product. That to me is is very rewarding um, and it keeps me motivated, keeps me wanting to study and understand exactly what I'm selling and if anything new is coming out or anything in that whole entire disease state or field so that you truly are an expert to that doctor. Yeah. Well said. You know, I think that's been one of the things over the years that I've heard more from pharmaceutical folks that have made the transition into medical devices is they did not realize the extent to which they become almost a quasi part of a physician practice. And the they didn't know that they thought they had good relationships with their physicians and they did but they had no idea what it was like to become almost an extension of that practice and uh, and they've been energized by it so you know unlike a lot of reps that have spent an entire career at one company or you know in one disease state you've shown an aptitude to learn new things and worked at a variety of companies and within new disease state niches that you didn't know anything about before you stepped into them. What one has been, if you look back on your career so far, what's been the most challenging or complex technical clinical product or or therapy that you've sold? Deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's disease mm-hmm. is something that I sold for, for quite a while. Um, and it's one of those disease states slash products that will always be challenging because you're dealing with the brain and things are changing. The other thing about DBS is there's a, there's a lot of, there's innovation within the space. um, And it's Mm -hmm. not just the product that's going into your brain that you need to understand, but it's all the other products that they use to put the product in your brain. And so that was something still to this day, I do not know everything there is to know about DBS and I probably never will, but it was something very challenging and, and very rewarding, but definitely, I don't think that it's possible to learn everything that you need to know about DBS. (laughs) I've not met anyone that has. When we start getting into things like stereotactic head frames and microelectric recording equipment, and I mean, it it gets very technical very, very quickly. And I've seen and met reps that are, they know parts of it and they can see the big picture of it. But when you start drilling down into some of the other things, there's, there's lots of specialists involved in those procedures. Absolutely. In, in in terms of what you've done with your career, you've had to step in a number of times into brand new situations and new disease states, and you've succeeded. You know, it's it, you've always succeeded. And I'm curious, how do you do that? How do you how do you step into a brand new context and end up at the top of the rankings? There's a magic to that. Thank you. I, I think so too. It's funny. I have a very good friend who's been very successful in his career and you would ask him the same thing. And he always says luck. And I said, you know what? It's not <laughs> luck. There, there is a magic formula or something that you have and that perhaps I have, I guess I have that, that makes you successful. 
personally, I think passion is number one at the top of the list. I'm a super passionate person about everything I do. And I a hundred percent throw myself into whatever it is I'm doing. I do all the homework, all the research. For instance, during the uh, COVID situation, I had some extra time on my hands and I learned how to make macarons and I studied it. I watched every YouTube video there was. And guess what? I mastered those suckers, even Mm. though they were really, really hard to make. And I do that with my job and I put everything that I have into it. I believe that I have a talent to build relationships with people as well. And I think that's Mm -hmm. vital to be able to go in and make an impact on who you're calling on and make a good impression and be able to build a very long lasting relationship of respect with the physician and with the staff is the other component that I think is really, really important. So passion, really doing your homework and educating yourself on the disease process and the product, and then the ability to build relationships are the three things that that I believe have attributed to my success in my career. That's great. And I think for those listening to that, they can take some serious notes on that and adjust or, or incorporate that into what they're trying to do. So Beth, you're working with some very exciting technology at Avail Med Systems that I think has strong potential to be a tremendous game changer in the way we've known the medical device industry and and the way procedures have been performed. Can you put it in layman's terms, sort of what the product is, the technology, and what you all are doing over there? Sure. Avail is a procedural telemedicine company. Basically, this is something that you can roll into your OR on casters, and it is used to allow physicians to remote in, reps to remote in, and observe surgery. So basically, it's got a 32-inch screen and two cameras on it. One's on the right above the screen, and one is on a boom arm that extends about six feet over the sterile field. The cameras have the ability to move 270 degrees and have a 30-time zoom on them. And what it allows you to do, and there's an app that you would download on your iPad or your computer And the person on the iPad or the computer side can view everything that's going on in that surgery, can slave in different modalities um, like fluoroscopy or echocardiogram or whatever you're using for that case. And you can split screen them. You can put the two different cameras. You can put the overhead camera and the the forward facing camera and split screen. But what it allows you to do is see more in that surgery than if you were actually physically in that room. Um, you can wow. talk to the physician, you can telestrate on it. And so when we've had this, when we are using this during cases, the reps have told us it's actually better than physically being there in the room because you can see hmm. better. Because when you're in a room, you're you're trying to see around somebody, the surgeon or the scrub tech or the circulator, or you're in the way, or you're wearing your, you know, there's fluoro. And so you're having to wear lead. You can sit in your kitchen and see more in that case and communicate better with that physician than you would if you were physically there. And same thing goes for proctoring. If a physician wants or or phone a friend, even if you're a physician that you're in surgery, and especially now with COVID, the way that they've been doing their call, and there's a nice article about it at Wellspan in New York City, that these physicians needed help, and they would would Mm -hmm. request help from another physician sitting in their kitchen, they would remote into the case and they would be able to walk them through the procedure. So it has a ton of applications, especially for proctoring, for training reps, 
for clinical trials, because travel is so limited right now, that's where I have it in Texas right now is for training purposes, um, and then also for a clinical trial. And more and more hospitals are finding out about it, more and more vendors, large vendors are finding out about it, and they're very interested in, in working with us. Um, so it's been it's been quite a ride. It's been it's been amazing. I'm super excited to be a part of this team. There are some great, great people with some great financial backing, and it's just it's just a tremendous product that's completely changing the landscape of procedures, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was blown away when I when I learned about it and immediately wanted to talk to you about it because I thought the, the application is tremendous. As you mentioned, proctoring of cases, the reps are remote, but they're right there, right involved in the case, training new physicians, or like you said, phone a friend. In the COVID era that we're all sort of living through right now, I imagine demand has increased quite a bit. Yes, we've actually done about three years worth of business in the past three months. We've very much accelerated our projections and our production because of COVID. We didn't know. And when I started back in March, I had no idea. It was early March. I started and then I kind of got shut down. So I've learned the whole Zoom call thing, which has been really challenging for me because I'm I'm an in-person kind of person. Sure. Um, but, you know, we learn and adapt. So it's really, truly accelerated our business and the need for it um, has has increased a lot. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. The surgeon community obviously responding positively, it sounds like, to this advancement. Is there one particular type of surgical case this tends to be, this technology tends to be used more in, or is it all over the board? It's all over the board. Right now, we are targeting kind of some of the KOLs, the key opinion leaders who do a lot of the proctoring and a lot of the, the mentoring and teaching. We've done it in the endovascular space and the neurovascular space and the cardiology space. It's really endless. Orthopedics now we've kind of broken into as well. So anywhere where there's a need for training or clinical trials, uh, there there's not a specific space, which makes it so incredible and amazing to be a part of it because the the possibilities are truly endless. Our CEO, Daniel Hawkins, wants one of these in every single procedure room in the United States, whether it's a operating room, an ambulatory surgery center, an office-based lab, a cath lab, so that any vendor could use this technology. That's kind of his vision um, and why I left a very successful um, territory at Abbott to, to come be a part of the company. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is groundbreaking stuff. How have conversations with sales representatives in the industry gone that are outside looking in? Are they threatened by this or do they see the potential once they understand it? Some are threatened. I think maybe a smaller minded rep or someone who hasn't quite gotten the big picture is, is a little bit threatened. They think that this might hurt their job. But mm -hmm. a lot of times when I'm able to talk to them and turn it around and say, look, you can be in two places at once. All this is going to do is accelerate your business and make you mm -hmm. more successful at your job. If you're thinking at, wow, that one doctor that always wants me for his case, you know, now I, I can, you know, replaced by a console. It's not true. There is no replacement for a rep. The rep is always going to need to be there in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And this would just allow you to be in more places than one. And also the, the reps that have gotten their hands on this and gotten to use it completely see the value. There was an Abbott rep that wrote a huge email talking about how she was skeptical when she first saw it and she got to do a case with it and, and it was better than her physically being in the room. Um, and she's mm -hmm. a huge advocate now. So I think it takes people 
looking at the bigger picture instead of looking at this is not a rep replacement model. This is a rep enhancement model. That's fantastic. Just I, I, I keep thinking about the implications in our world currently around travel and getting on flights and having to go to you know remote locations for I'm thinking neurosurgical laser ablation cases and all these sorts of things. This could not only prevent that travel from having to occur, it can actually accelerate the speed at which procedures are scheduled and then done and with even better outcomes than what people are experiencing now. Absolutely. Great advice. Well, Beth, thank you for joining us today. Fantastic having you on and congratulations on all you've done and all you're about to do. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. It's great. Take care. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chase MedSearch Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank my guests for coming on today's show. I hope that you got a lot of value in the information and experiences that they shared with us. You can subscribe to the show at chasemedsearch.com and follow all of the appropriate links to subscribe through iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to drop a like so we can expand the audience of our show. But I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on this episode. So if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to contact the show's email at podcast at chasemedsearch.com. You can reach out to us there to share your experiences in the medical device industry or even leave a suggestion for a future episode topic. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. Make a difference for patients and customers. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time on the Chase MedSearch Podcast. Chase MedSearch is providing this podcast as a public service. Reference to any specific product, individual, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Chase MedSearch. Any views and opinions shared by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Chase MedSearch or any of its employees or contractors.